We read about the martyrs for Christ in Revelation 6, verses 9 to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. Welcome to Souls Under the Altar a program that reviews the stories of God's persecuted from the past and the present. Your host for this program is Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company. And we have a special guest in the studio. We've got Tony Benjamin, who is the voice of the Martyrs CEO. And he, Tony is going to come in on these programs on a regular basis after a trip overseas where he documents and records things that are happening with God's people around the world where their liberties are taken away from them. They are persecuted. They're thrown into prison sometimes. They are tortured. And other means of people either uh, trying to kill them or sometimes they're succeeding. But the information then gets shared with the rest of the world because quite often these perpetrators don't want this information to get out. So, Tony, Welcome. Thank you, Etienne. Thank and you. it's good to have you in the studios again today to share your recent trip to Malaysia and Indonesia and what's happening over there. Sure. Yes, thank you. Um, thank you for having me here also. And uh, please excuse me if I don't share too many intimate details. Sure. But it is for the safety and the security of those that actually live in these countries. Mm. Uh, so in some, t- uh, in some of my conversation, I might be a bit vague, but that's the reason why I'm doing no, that. No, we can appreciate that and respect that. So um, to give you a bit of an update on Indonesia, Indonesia being Australia's closest neighbor, but it also has the largest Muslim population in the world. Yes. And Indonesia is made up of many different islands, um, and there are many different facets of the Indonesian society, which sometimes perplexes us. Um, And what we're finding in Indonesia at the moment is that the radical Islamic movement is getting a much bigger voice. Right. Okay. And this is causing problems for the government. So the Indonesian government is sort of torn between the Christian perspective and the Islamic perspective, but doesn't want to upset the Islamic side of things. Sure. So often things get caught under the radar. Mm. Now, you do have many churches in Indonesia, and one of them we visited recently uh, in a place called Bandung. And um, we went to this massive shopping mall. And I couldn't understand why they would have a church in a shopping mall. There were actually 11 churches in the shopping mall. Really? The one that we particularly went to were doing eight services a day. Wow. That's phenomenal. And in the big cities, I suppose it's a little bit easier to function and to and to operate. But the significance of having a church in a shopping mall is that mm. the security getting into the shopping mall is so intense. Uh, you know, you're facing all sorts of scrutiny and so on. So anybody that's trying to do anything untoward would be thinking twice okay. about it because so it's a safe place for Christians to well, to have their very, meetings in. Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And it's a very novel way of doing mm. it. 
And the churches we attended were exceptionally vibrant. I mean, it was amazing listening to the praise and worship there. Yes. But it was also a safe place for us to do the interviews with persecuted believers there. Yes, okay. So that was very interesting for us. Um, one of those in particular were, which we discussed was a, a pastor that's on our, our Voice of the Martyrs persecution watch at the moment oh. who was arrested because he was sitting in a, in a taxi going to one of the meetings and he was evangelizing to the, the taxi driver who was a Muslim. Okay. Someone in the taxi with him there whom he thought he could trust but it turned out he couldn't, recorded this encounter, which took about three or four minutes. Mm. Send it to the authorities. The guy got arrested. Mm. To make matters worse for this pastor, also he's very vocal and he's written a book which gives you scriptural account of the fact that no prophets came out of the Middle East. All of them came out of Israel. Ah, okay. This, is, this flies in the face of Islam's yes. beliefs. yes. So currently this pastor is in a lot of strife at the moment and he's got court case after court case to try to get him out. We met with his wife and had an interview with his wife. Both of them are ex-Muslims, by the way. Oh, okay. And Voice of the Martyrs has stepped in to support his wife and family. He's got a three-month-old baby. Mm. And we're helping to support him while he's going through this court case in Indonesia. Now, this is quite a high-profile case. Um, so the world's watching as to how Indonesia deals with this. Yes. Because this came out of a complaint. And they're quite interested in seeing how this is going down. So this is going to make news globally. And we sincerely hope and pray and believe for this pastor's safety uh, during this difficult time for them. Wow. Yeah, that would be very tough for them. So, okay, so the, uh, the, the world news organizations have got hold of this story, so we'll hear a little bit more about it. So it's a high-profile one. Yes, and, and we'll keep you guys updated as to what's happening okay. with his well-being. Great. We've got some photographs. We've got some things which I'm sure I could pass on to you. Uh, they don't mind us sharing that, so we can do that. For okay, you. fantastic. No problem at all. Um, we've also had uh, an interview with quite a horrific situation where one of the Christian believers – um, who's a pastor, pastoring in his local area, on his way home, on his motorbike, was confronted by three men. And as he was traveling towards them, he saw they had a machete and they actually tried to decapitate him while he was on his bike. Unbelievable. He reacted and ducked. Mm. And this machete caught him in the mouth, took out all his teeth and basically cut his face from ear to ear. Quite horrific. This guy managed to, he obviously fell when this happened, got up and ran and realized his jaw was actually resting on his chest. Had to lift up his jaw and run. Ran to a nearby house. They got him um, taken to the hospital. The hospital then asked for his name and his details, realized he was a Christian, left him there on a bed for 12 hours before they actually gave him any help. And the help that they gave him was to stitch him up and give him some antibiotics and send him on his way. Mm. So through our network, Voice of the Martyrs heard about this. We got a, a surgeon engaged, and we had reconstructive surgery done on his mouth, had his teeth sorted out because they were all smashed. Mm. And... Um, 
we have some photos of this also, and it's quite amazing to see how this guy has actually come through it. But his testimony is so powerful that it it, it shows you the evil that exists out in the world, not restricted just to Indonesia. Yes. But the length people would go to to try and stop his ministry from functioning. He was well known in the area, so it wasn't a surprise that they would try to target him. Mm. It was just the length they would go to try and stop the message that he was sharing out there to uh, to our fellow Christian believers. Wow, that is absolutely incredible that there are people out there who are risking their life for the sake of the gospel, and they try to murder this man. Somehow God protected him. He was able to duck. But what astounds me is that he goes to the hospital for help, and they are just not concerned about him and leave him for 12 hours. The man probably could have bled to death, and then maybe they were hoping for that. I don't know. Yep. It's very possible, but they certainly didn't give him any form of attention. Um, yeah. You know, his family was very concerned about him, obviously, as you would be with your jaw hanging down to your chest, you know, and your your yeah. face slashed. Well, so, thank God for the voice of the martyrs that they were able to step in and help this guy because obviously he needed some reconstruction because just stitching yep. that up. What about the internal damage that was exactly. done? Exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we engaged probably the best surgeon in Indonesia to do that for us. And fortunately, mm. he's a Christian too, so that helped the whole situation. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, with that type of scenario, there'd be follow-up visits and so on to make sure everything was all sorted and everything was working. Mm. So we, when we met with him, this is sometime later now, when we met with him in our recent visit, we jokingly called him the guy with the biggest smile in the world. So uh, Okay, so the scars are quite evident. This, very evident, and they will always be with him. Mm. But... The scars are a testimony to what God has brought him through. Yes. And it's allowed him to share that testimony with curious people wanting to know why he's got these scars and what actually happened. Mm. And that's a testimony to God's protection, obviously, yeah. you know, for him. So well, that is God a can really turn good something story. as bad as that into yeah. a positive because now he's getting more questions and obviously that creates opportunities to share the gospel. Exactly. Oh, praise exactly. God for that. Yeah. Wow. So a very, very good story. Um, just another situation we faced when we went to another part of Indonesia. Uh, many ex-Muslims there, uh, people that have come to Christ, now preaching the gospel, sharing their testimonies, and finding quite creative ways to get their message out. One yes. of them is, with the recent Christmas celebrations in Indonesia, they invited people along to hear the Christmas message and hear the gospel, message of Jesus' birth, and hear the gospel. Yeah. And um, we were gifted a DVD by these fellow believers of ours, and the DVD basically showed us what they told us, which of the 200-plus people that were there, 99% of them were Muslim believers. That's incredible. Who were interested in hearing the message of Jesus. Mm. And... Souls were saved that day. People came to Christ that day after hearing the message. Now, it's a very challenging thing as a Muslim background believer Mm. to function in a place like Indonesia, as it is in other Islamic countries. So this is where the journey begins for these people. Yes. But it's an important part that we have to play because many times we have to find different locations for them to live because of fear of reprisal from the Muslim community, Mm. or we have to just relocate them entirely or put them in a safe house for a while until things tone down. And then all of the changes that come with it, even if they're praying in their homes, 
It gets highlighted. They get picked on. So there's quite a, a, a task when these people get saved and making them aware of these challenges yes. is important for us. Mm. But we haven't found any of them in all of our travels that have actually renounced Jesus to go back to Islam just to appease the mob that's crying out for or them. Family or, be, or family. Or yeah. family. Yeah. Well, that is incredible. So they remain faithful. But the thing is, if people count the cost up front, that gives you a more sincere Christian, doesn't it, than people who just come in for social reasons because you just want to hang around with friends. Exactly. Now, that's a good means to an end. But if it only ever bases on relationship with your fellow friends yeah. and it never comes to a relationship with the Lord and counting the cost, even prepared to lay down your life, then that is a very shallow relationship, isn't it? Yes. To me, what this highlights and everywhere we go where we see this in the Islamic world, we find that the commitment is irrevocable, mm. okay? People are that committed. They become such strong, devout Christians that, which I think I shared in the past, where they, many of them still follow the Islamic practice right. of praying five times a day, even yes. though now they're Christians, which is absolutely amazing. And if we can somehow harness some of that commitment in our Western world, I believe we'll take our, our faith and the whole Christian faith to another level. Mm. And you can understand why through all of this adversity in these Islamic countries that Christianity faces, our faith is growing. The numbers are growing. There's more call for discipleship programs. Mm. There's more call for pastors' conferences so that they can learn and they can get equipped to deal with what they're dealing out there. Yes. We are not faced with a diminishing number of people. We are faced with a constantly increasing number of people wanting this, asking for this, calling for this, calling for more Bibles, mm. calling for more of God's Word all the time. So the church is healthy in these places. It's very healthy. And it's an encouraging thing for me, living in the West, to see that, Contrary to belief of what's happening in Australia where they say Christianity is on the decline and so on, mm. everywhere else it's growing phenomenally and it's very, very healthy. Mm. And the people that are representing the Jesus that we serve out there, they're strong, they're solid. Yes. They want more. They are doing it without any reservation. And that is a really good thing for us to see. That is remarkable. And it's interesting in the, in the countries where they're trying to stamp out Christianity, it's having the opposite effect. It's actually counterproductive for them because that's where the church is growing faster and, and stronger than anywhere exactly. else. And that is what's also upping the ante with those that oppose Christianity because they realize that they're losing ground quite dramatically. Mm. But what our Christian believers are asking for is for the support of God's word, the support of the teaching. Because as you can imagine, a young Christian is very vulnerable. Yes. And it could quite easily go the other way, mm. as we've all found with somebody that's recently come to Christ. That's right, yes. Those first few months are really challenging for them because they're questioning, you know, why they did what they did. And, you know, the, you know, there's so many things that are making them question what they've done because yeah. they're really not grounded yet. And the Word of God still has a found root. You know, Jesus talks about it in the parable where some of the seed, which is the Word of God, falls on stony ground. Some of it falls amongst the thorns and some of it on fertile soil. Mm. So you've got to make sure sometimes that soil is cultivated to get away exactly. with the stones, get, get, the, um, get the weeds out, you know, and then let the, let the, um, the, the seed germinate and take root. 
exactly. so that I can understand the importance of it. Yeah. So Bibles are essential for these people. They want Bibles. And if people want to help support any of your projects in regards to Bibles and the other projects you work on, they can get in touch with you on the Voice of the Martyrs website? Yes, they can. If they go to vom.com.au, they will mm. find all the information they need, how they can be a part of it, what they can do to support the work we do, and how they can do it. Okay, fantastic. Yes. So, yeah, um, you know, just just to pick up on what I've just said also, we're finding people having more creative ways of getting people to learn the gospel. Okay. For example... In a place like Indonesia, their heritage and their, cult- and their culture is such a big part of what they do. So some of the believers that we support out there and we support the ministry, they've taken their cultural and their heritage and they've used that heritage and enhanced it and embraced their heritage. And people are saying, but hang on a minute, you guys are Christians and you are embracing our heritage. For mm. example, Indonesia has got a, a form of martial arts that they use, which has been brought down from the time Indonesia started. It's centuries old. Okay. And people are proud to have this heritage and this background. Right. So this organization that we're working with, they actually use that. Mm. And they are using that as an evangelism tool. And they're using it in the sense that people are saying, hang on, but Islam doesn't embrace our heritage or our culture. Okay. Christianity does. Mm. We want more of our own culture. We don't want to lose what we had or who we are. Okay. We want to retain our identity. And they're mm, using this as a tool to bring people um, to embrace their culture, but also a, a time for them to share the gospel. Mm. And we've seen many high-profile people in the Indonesian political sphere mm. supporting that. Right. Okay. Very, very interesting. In- interesting angle. So things yeah. that are neutral, you know, things that you can't say they are good or they are evil, you're taking advantage of those. And especially if it's a cultural thing that yeah. the population can relate to, that is a good avenue, a segue to get them to, to hear the gospel. Exactly. And in this case, one particular guy that we interviewed, he was sort of the village thug, you mm. know. He was a real bad guy. You know, he had his team of thugs around him, and they were like your... You know, doing everything that was wrong in society they were involved with. Yeah. And he want, he felt this way about them losing their heritage and their culture. And he found these guys that we work with and he sort of cautiously embraced them. And he was Muslim, he's now become a Christian mm. and he's now evangelizing on that basis. And people are saying, hang on a minute, you were the village thug. What's changed in your life? Why? You know, what's happened? So there's a definite change in life. Yeah, what a great testimony. And a powerful testimony. And he's going around into the local areas, and he's like the Pied Piper over there at the moment because he was also a phenomenal athlete. Mm. And people looked up to him. Right. Also looked up to him for the wrong reasons. Okay. With his Christian message and his life turnaround and his life change now, He's become quite a, a celebrity within his own field there, mm. and he's doing great work over there. And and we love supporting him. We love you know supporting his ministry. Yes. So it was so exciting. But he's such a bubbly character, you know. He's infectious, if we can call it that. Yeah. Way. Okay. Wonderful. And he gave us a whole demonstration of you know his art and his craft and all of that. It was quite exciting to meet <laughs> okay. him. But the enthusiasm was just electric with his mm. absolutely amazing. 
Oh, fantastic. So, okay, so a worthwhile a trip just to see what the work of the Lord is doing over there and then also obviously getting those stories out of those people who are being persecuted and struggling for their faith. Very true. You know, yes, it's not all doom and gloom, but the mm. reality of it is there that people are struggling with things like clean water. There's a lot of waterborne disease there. So part of our work that we took over there, we took over a number of the water filters that we've spoken about in the past. Yes. And we took it into areas where where they would be effective. We don't have enough, anywhere near enough yet. So mm. we we are needing to send. So that's more an ongoing project. So for people who've listened yeah. and they've gone on the website and had a look, that's a project that still needs support. If they, you know, God works on their hearts and, and convicts them, they certainly should go and look at those projects because you have a number of projects on the go at the moment, don't you? Yes, we have a number of projects. We've probably got out of Australia, we've probably got in excess of 180 projects at the moment. And we are looking to increase our reach. Mm. And that's in plus minus 30 countries at the moment. So wow. we are increasing our reach. The need is not diminishing. The need is increasing. Yes. But we are doing a lot of work in the Islamic world. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, mm. even in places like Malaysia, uh, places like Sabah. Uh, Christians do face a lot of time over there. So we we have a number of ministries that we function with over there, and we really aim to try and provide more resources out there because the call is always for more resource, not more money, more resource. Right, okay. And the word is what everybody's asking the word, for. The Bible, yes. The Bible, yeah. Mm. And we take it for granted here, but there's places there that they're just longing for it. And we have probably many Bibles in our homes quite often, and many of them don't get read. So exactly. this is a real encouragement to us, a dear listener to you as well, to get back into the Word. The Word of God is living and powerful and able to transform and change lives. And we have that testimony coming out of these countries, especially where uh, people are being persecuted for their faith. Very true, mm. yes. Very true indeed. And, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel in these places now. But I think we can't take our foot off the accelerator mm. because it can turn on a dime. Sure. Um, it's a pretty volatile situation in a lot of these Islamic countries. The least little thing seems to offend, and then it, all the good work gets undone. Mm. So we we constantly need to be alert and need to be vigilant yes. in our prayer time for people over there. We're also coming up to Ramadan now, so we have a, a program of praying for Muslims during this period of Ramadan, okay. which is their most important time. Yes. But I believe, you know, as our founder Richard Wormbrand says, we need to also pray for those who persecute us. That's right. Well, that was the message of Jesus as well. The Sermon on the Mount very clearly says that, yeah. Exactly, because they need to hear the message, you know, of Jesus also. Mm. So this is a very important time for us. It's also an important time for them. But, you know, as God leads, so we'll follow. And we just we just constantly pray and believe for the protection of those that do work with us or, you know, and that we work with in these countries so that God may keep them safe as they go about doing his work in these in these pretty difficult places. Mm, yes, and we need to keep on constantly praying for them. You know, um, there's sometimes things that uh, unless we pray, the Lord will not uh, will not act on them. Exactly. And we know God's will in, in regards to his, his church. He wants his church to prosper and be in good health. Yep. So we can pray according to God's will and know yeah. that he will hear us. Exactly. So Voice of the Martyrs, part of the reason we went over to Indonesia was that we celebrated 
30 years of Voice of the Martyrs being in Indonesia. Okay, that's quite a, quite a while. That is quite a milestone for mm. us. And we've had some very faithful, diligent people doing our work over there and expanding the networks that we have over there so that we could reach as many people as we could. Yes. And um, this is just the beginning, I believe, for us. We have uh, we have a long way to go. And we're constantly finding new opportunities um, to meet with uh, new believers and also help those that are being persecuted. One of those areas at the moment are um, Australia's had this problem with people coming by boat across to Australia from Indonesia. Yes. And at one of these refugee camps, we're doing a lot of work there. And it's a lot of people from Syria, from Iran, Iraq, and all these other places. Mm. Uh, many of them non-believers. So there's a lot of work to be done over there. They do want to hear the message of Christ. So we have people working in those situations over there, and we're constantly looking for ways that we can support the ministry and the work that right. they're doing okay. there. Okay, so these are these camps where these refugees are currently finding themselves. Yep. And this is on the Indonesian side? On the Indonesian side, yes. Okay, because they've, they've pretty much stopped, as far as I can tell, they've pretty much stopped a lot of those boats coming through. So I guess there's a they go as far as they border, and then they can't get into Australia at the moment. Because exactly. The boats so you can stopped. imagine with that filter that has been stopped now, there's mm. a growing number of people there, and it's a growing problem for Indonesia also. Yes. But also a growing problem for radicalism. So we're trying to uh, – we have people working in there already, and we're just trying to give them more support in terms of the work that they're doing in bringing the gospel to those people too. Okay, yeah. wonderful. And is that work, uh, 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 the government allowed that work to be conducted relatively freely in those camps? Because yes, they're not because necessarily nationals? Exactly. Because okay. they're refugees, yes, they do allow them to do the work fairly freely there. But mm. they obviously need resources. They're doing it off their own bat. They're coming off a very low base of resources. So we're working, uh, we're working at the moment to try and improve the support base uh, for those types of ministries there. Yes. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of need in Indonesia, based on what you're telling me. Yes, there is. You know, we can't seem to print enough Bibles at the moment to get across to Indonesia. Mm. And we're just finding that, um, you know, it's like the Bible said, the, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Few, Yes. We need more people. We need more resources. We're constantly looking for more resources mm. uh, to equip these people adequately to sustain those periods of persecution, but also right. to help them as young Christians mm. grow in their faith and okay. just equip them adequately. Yes. Yeah. No, that's very important. You know, those, those early stages of nurturing and allowing people access to the word, very important because that's how God communicates with us through his Holy Spirit and through the word. And, of course, our prayers, our communication back to God. So if people want to assist and they want to help, they can go onto our website. Yes. They can find ways. They can contact us, call us. We're more than happy to um, to listen to what they can offer. And we welcome the support. We welcome the prayer. And um, I'd just like to say thank you for those that are supporting the work that we do mm. because your contribution is making a huge difference. Wonderful. So thank you. Great. Thank you very much for coming today. My guest in the studio has been Voice of the Martyrs CEO, Tony Benjamin. Tony, thank you for your time. Thank you for the update. We look forward to the next update as well. And dear listener, we're just going to share our contact details with you now. So if you want more information or you even want a phone number, you're welcome to contact us. But it is vom.com.au and you can find information there on how you can support some of these projects. Until next time, God bless.
Thank you for joining us on Souls Under the Altar. If you'd like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you.